0: Trust that they can't fuck with us My voice memo sounding like a million dollars plus With nemesis, no one is on our level, son I was good, but now I spit like a Beretta gun No one has ever, ever done what I'm about to do Hearing the physical brain at a higher altitude They see these intricacies and I'm introverted a pen and pad, and I'll murder any track I'm attacking them, bitch, smacking, rapping actors I'm blacking out while I'm fitting the sonic Rapping like my whole family's life depended on it I used to drink the catatonic like a drunken gremlin Now I'm winning, making but like I'm done to Mifflin uh, Patiently waiting the left. fate of fatality For the left. foe when it's via karma I am one with the universe With the flow of Gia Teeth of a piranha Feastin' all gone As nasty and ugly as a fucking gone Oh my god!
1: That was SS and J57 vs. Everybody Off Shabam Sadiq and J57's collaborative album Precious Stones Welcome to episode 63 of We Goin' In Presents In this interview, I catch up with another one of my favorites J57 a lot of people probably don't know this, but we go back to 2003 when we were both starting out. We met at a Wonder Twins Connectless party, which was basically a networking event for underground hip-hop heads. We might not have the same super baggy clothes, but we still have a lot to talk about. In part one of our interview, we talk about Jay's come-up, working with Shabam Sadiq, working with Heroes, the creative process, and much more. Stay tuned for part two of our interview drop-in later this week, and as always, check out the links on wegoingin.com.
0: You know how it is, but uh, but no, man, it's, I'm glad to see you're still doing your thing. I'm glad I'm still doing my thing. I'm glad we continuously link up, and um, man, yeah, we're going on two decades of knowing each other, so I'm very, very excited about all this, man, to be honest.
1: That's wild, and we started out, we first met at the, the Connects List party, yep. Yep. and the Wonder Twins, I mean, if you if you go back to like 2002, 2003, I mean... There was no social media at the time and like yeah. <laughs> we basically were trading business cards and writing each other's phone numbers on like in notebooks and whatever. Like, yeah.
0: and Dude, we, I wasn't making beats yet. I met you in 02. I started making beats in 03. I wasn't even making beats yet.
1: That's so crazy. Where were you getting your beats from at that point?
0: My man Haikyuu who was in my crew at the time. Um, he was the one who taught me how to make beats too. And he, it was him doing all of our beats. He's, a, he's still a dope producer. He's in a group called Dead Rabbits. Uh, But he was into Immortal Technique back in the day and you could see that, you know, like it's, it's that kind of lane like they fuck with that kind of shit So he was the one who did all the beats and uh, and he rapped as well But um, yeah, I wasn't even making beats yet for like another like probably six months after I met you
1: That's crazy. And then you think about back then I know sometimes we would like trade songs like the only way to get songs to other people were like through aim and you'd have to like both be on at the same time and like accept the transfer and hope that you were actually like getting the real thing. Remember those days?
0: Oh my god. Yeah, yo cuz yeah, dude, like like I think you sent me beats that you were making that way or you might you might have or you might have mailed it to me. You might have mailed me
1: the beats. I can't remember. I probably did both. I like that those were the days when like I had just learned how to use free loops and I basically thought like any loop with the same drums on it was like incredible cuz like I had no <laughs> idea so like I remember the worst was I sent a beat CD to cool G rap because I had just gotten introduced to him. And it's like, if you've been making beats for like two weeks, you should definitely not be sending like cool G rap a beat CD. <laughs> like, and I was like all confident calling him up. I was like, Hey man, so you got those beats, right? I was like, we're going to be doing like two albums together. And oh, he was so like, funny. I don't know what the fuck you sent me, but that wasn't even hip hop. <laughs> like,
0: oh, that's hilarious. Dude. Like I did the same shit, not, not the cool G rap thing, but I did, for the first couple of years I wasn't chopping or anything like I I was just finding loops and then putting drums on top of it and or no, or not and like that <laughs> I didn't even know how to chop like when I started working at Fat Beats interning at Fat Beats in late 04 I was making beats for a year and a half by then um dude that's when everyone they didn't nobody called me out on any looping shit I didn't even have the balls to play them my music but everybody was like Dilla this, Dilla that. This is 04. This is before it was popular to like Dilla. And they were and they were calling him JD actually, really, at the time. And they were like, they were going so nuts about him that I had to start studying him and Madlib. I didn't really know their shit. I knew who the fuck they were for years. I just slept on them though. And uh I did the same thing until I got until I was around all these people and I wanted to impress them. You know what I mean? So I get it, yo. I get it.
1: <laughs> it's crazy, man. And so if you if you think about that, when do you feel like that respect started coming in and we're like A the confidence where like you felt like I can send these beats out to people now and then be like the respect of like, hey, these are some pretty dope beats.
0: Oh, I mean, you know, when I, so I started interning late uh, September '04, 04, so like late 04, C-Rays Walls came into the store around that time and I was a big fan for years and, uh, you know, shouts to C-Rays, he came in and he starts battling himself in the mirror at Fat Beats with all these packed store, all these people stop with, you know, stop looking at records and they're all watching him battle himself and I remember him, being like super cool and i was like you know what i think he's cool enough where i could give him a beat cd and i felt like i deserved it by then because i was making beats for a year and a half and when you're like i guess 19 years old or 21 years old 2004 i was 21 like when you're at that age sometimes that's like a long time a year and a half like when you're 21 like a year and a half is like a long time for us dude a year and a half is nothing (laughs) but like but like when you're at that age it's a long time so i thought i was making beats for a minute and i was like Yo, I got a beat CD for you. Like the next time he came in, like a month later, or a week later, or whatever it was, and he actually was super cool and receptive. And was like, "Yo, I'm gonna listen to these, man." And he came back and gave me good feedback. It was like, "He's like, yo, they're trippy. I like these." He's like, "I got a lot on my plate already, but you know." And he wasn't, he wasn't like chumping me off or anything. He was totally being honest. He's like, "He's a trippy man." I, you know, because he was on Def jokes at the time. So that was the first. That was probably the first person of note I gave a beat CD to. Actually, it that had to have been at the same time I gave El Gant. A beat CD that he still has. One of my first beat CDs went to El Gaunt and c Rays at the same, must have been the same time, like October, probably 2004. And those were two artists of note who were like, you know, El Gant was on the Beat Nuts album at that time. Sea oh, Rays. Yeah, like I was a big fan of Gantt for years and then um, before I even knew him. And uh, and I met Gaunt going to go uh, to upstate New York to their studio that they owned because Undefined did a beat for him. And I believe it featured Ill Bill. I'm pretty sure Ill Bill was featured on it. And Undefined drove from L. I. and he's like, "Yo, Jay, come to my crib. We'll, we'll we'll ride up to Poughkeepsie together. I think it was in Poughkeepsie. We'll do that big ass drive upstate together, and we'll like play beats and stuff. And you know that was like OG to me. So I was like, "Yo, of course." And uh, that those are the two guys. It was El Gaunt that night at the at the studio. I handed him a beat CD, my Elements 2000 at AOL.com email address is written on the CD. And uh, man, I, I, Gaunt still has the beat CD and. C-Rays, I don't know if he has the Beat CD still, but, like, again, he was, like, he was super cool. Like, he was actually really, um, I don't know, man, he, like, really inspired me, you know what I'm saying, like, to keep going. Because he, like, really, he dug how, like, again, I gave him a trippy Beat Batch because um, he was on Def Jux at the time. And his, his album, I think it was Year of the Beast it was called, right? That didn't come out yet, so I didn't know what he was going for sound-wise. I knew what Aesop sounded like, and I knew what all these guys sounded like, who I was a tremendous fans of for years. So I was trying to emulate that sound. Um, you know what I mean? So th- those were the first two people for sure
1: Yeah, and I loved stronghold C-Rays and did not love Def Juck C-Rays as much
0: Gotcha, you know, stronghold C-Rays was a dope C-Rays, man I got those mixtapes, uh, you know, shouts to the homie Eddie from the cop shop I used to, I used to be over there getting those mixtapes and stuff And I, yo, know, and, and remember he did the joint, what was it? I can't remember the name, but it was like Apathy and Self-Titled And I believe Rise was the first verse on it It was like a crazy joint, the Smackdown or something, or it was a big – whatever it was at that time, that was like a big record to me and my friends. You know and, what I
1: mean? And those Stronghold mixtapes too are like the, – the first one at least is a super rare collector's item. I remember I've been bugging Poison Pen for years about it <laughs> and finally he came out um, to Virginia and we were working on a book together and he brought me like a sealed copy of it whoa um, that that's had dope that he had in storage and i was like man i don't even know if i should open this and he's like he's like i just dug this out of storage for you you better fucking open it <laughs>
0: <laughs> yo wait first of all i want to hear about this book later on bro and then two is that the cd i can't remember the name but is that the one that's like that baby blue color the sky blue color yes
1: that and uh breeze Everflowin designed it uh he drew it all
0: wow that's right he's a crazy artist i forgot yes. about that he's a disgusting artist even to this day i watch i watch what he posts on instagram it's phenomenal yeah. like real comic book-esque like he could be like a marvel dude honestly illustrator yeah, it's ridiculous um, i have that cd bro i have that in mint condition at my parents house in long island in my closet where all my cds are from that era that's so funny i didn't know it was so rare but yeah. it makes sense
1: no like that was one of those things where like back in the day when i was downloading it um through i think soul seek um, <laughs> oh wow <laughs> and the download cut off after like track six or seven so i could never hear the full thing so like you know I'm only listening to 1 through 6 or whatever it is and finally I get to hear like the whole thing and it's like oh man there's like actually 20 something songs on here this is perfect
0: <laughs> that's classic i love it man i love this i love that that era man that's that's why i do it from that you know that's i was going to those shows i remember i went to see 2002 i still have the ticket um cage was the headliner uh j zone was on it um my man superstition who wasn't my man yet i didn't know him yet um and somebody else was on that bill too i think my, i think the homie six cents his group at the time i think they were called the understudies and um it was at knitting factory and i was in the crowd and it was packed out you know and i was me and my boys and i gotta say we were 18 yeah 2002 we were 18 years old and uh 19 years old and um poison pen was standing next to me and i was i geeked out a little something i like patted him on the shoulder and i'm like mad small compared to him and I'm like, yo, I'm a big fan. And he was so humble. I remember I literally remember him giving me a pound with a big smile. And he goes, oh, man, come on. Like he didn't like he just didn't he was just too humble for somebody to be like, yo, I'm a big fan like that. You know, and I was cool. I wasn't like a geek, but um, he was so humble. I remember that. And, you know, we're boys for like over 10 years by now. So like I always, you know, once in a blue moon, I'll remind him. I'm like, yo, you, you showed me love and you were cool. Like, you know what I mean? And, and you showed that you were super humble at a time when you were super popping, too. So, that, you know, he's a good guy, man
1: it's crazy too like um i've never heard a bad poison pen story from like anybody and I believe it i've been out with him a few times and it's like he's always it doesn't matter if you're like a random fan or like you know anybody like an art like an artist that he knows it's like they, he treats everybody the same
0: oh yeah such a good like i can't say enough good stuff we actually just relinked on uh Instagram about a month or two ago we haven't uh we haven't spoken in a minute just you know just having't seen each other at events or anything and we just kind of relinked and we're both we literally at the same time we were like yo we got to work you know what i mean like he's, he's the best dude so that, yeah. that's what's up i'm excited to hear about that book man
1: oh it's gonna be amazing once he uh once we finish it tell him that he's got to get some new music out too like you, you heard it from somebody <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that they need to that he needs to release some new music because oh i will i tell him every time we talk and it's obviously not getting through fast enough
0: oh i will i will i'm gonna hit him with beats and be like yo here's the thing if you record to any of these, you gotta put them out soon. <laughs> <Please do. laughs> like, just to, get them to just so I can listen to some new poison pen. <laughs> like whatever it takes. Hell yeah, dude.
1: So when you think about all that too, man, it's gotta be like pretty a pretty big honor and a pretty big um a pretty big deal to be able to work with with who you're working with today when you look like Rascass or like Shabam Sadiq, which you know, you guys just did precious stones together. When you yeah. look at like being a fan, um, especially in the era that like we we came up. And then to be able to like do a full length project with somebody like Shabam has got to be a pretty cool thing.
0: Oh, dude, I get chills thinking about it. Like when I actually step back and think about it, because like I said earlier, my homie Haikyuu, you know, like I had all my homies back in the day that we'd, you know, we'd be cruising around in our cars and like playing music and studying it and listening. And it was always like, you know, amazing underground hip hop from that era in the late 90s early very early 2000s. And we would seriously, like, I remember, like, Haikyuu driving. We would listen to Shabam and guys like that. And him be like, we're going to work with all these guys one day. I remember him saying that. And, you know, he and I both have worked with so many people from that era, which is just so amazing. And uh, it's just like, I don't know, man. It's just it's kind of crazy. Like, I don't think too many people could really understand how crazy that is, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many people who, you know, like, and again, shouts to the homie Stu Bang. as I saw him post it uh, today or yesterday on Instagram uh, that, sh- that a joint that he produced for someone Uh, DJ Premier spun it on the radio show And he shouted him out And he goes, you don't understand He's like, the reason I got turntables at 18 Was because of Premier And I was such a fan of him And now all these years later This man's over here shouting me out Saying I'm dope and playing a song I produced And like, I, I, when I saw that I understood what he was saying Like, it is not some brag and flex thing that he was doing It was on some shit that I'm on Where it's like, man, I just put out a record with Shabam you know like i've been writing that on facebook i don't even mess with facebook but i've been promoting the music on facebook and in my statuses you can see i'm like you don't even understand how much of an honor this is and i'm tagging shabam so he sees that and i tell him through email and on the phone calls and in person all these you know all these few years whatever that we've been working on the album it's such an honor and same with razzy dude like you know i linked up with raz about five and change years ago like actually working with him when we started this jmo thing and met him before that at fat beats very briefly but uh you know became friends about five and a half years ago maybe and uh it's like bugged out sometimes when I screenshot something and, I'm, and I see his name in it and I'm like you know like I'll, like I'll be sending each other like whatever we got to send each other some stuff and I'm the other day I had to send that to somebody and you know you see one of the last emails I had it said JMO merch or something and I was like wow that's kind of like an accidental flex like sending whatever to somebody <laughs> like you see JMO merch you see Raz you know dot 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 and I'm like wow that's crazy like that's just my brother that's John that's my brother. You know what I mean? That's family. I'd kill for that dude. And I know he would for me. So it's like, and the same with Shabam. Same exact thing. You know what I mean? So to me, it's like, it kind of, you kind of forget. Like, and I guess, like, with Premiere and Eclipse, like, all these guys, Ill Bill, all these guys, Sabak, man, I don't even want to go down the list because it's like my Fat Beats chapter, you know, opened me up to meeting all these people that I was just a fan of for, like, seriously a long time, many years. And then you become friends with them slowly over time and you kind of forget. You know, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir talking to you about that. You met, Eight million more people than me before I got to meet anybody but like you get what I'm saying dude it's like it's an it's an honest honor and a blessing you know what I mean and super reassuring and inspiring so I'm grateful as hell I'm writing that I write stuff like that down in my my gratitude list every day for real
1: that's amazing and then when you think about actually working with somebody like a shabam you know on precious stones like how do you balance like this dude is like a living legend and like he's Shabam Sadiq, but like, I'm (laughs) also like making beats for him and like producing the album. And like, I need to be able to also like give him feedback and tell him like, honestly, like give him like, be honest, you know, with my feedback. So how do you balance being a fan versus being a, because those can be two very different hats.
0: Okay. That could be tricky. I'll be honest with guys like Raz and Shabam for like the example, I've never had to tell them I didn't like something. If it had to happen, it would happen, and they would be super cool. I know they would because Raz is very, very – and, I'll, you know, I'll get into Shabam about that too because we did a full album that's out, and, you know, with Raz, that album's coming out, and Ganta, obviously, that album's coming out in weeks. But um, but with Raz, dude, like, there's been times where he literally will send me his shit and then, like, his verse or hook or whatever, or it will be in the same room, and he'll write it and record it on the spot. There's been a million times of that um, where he'll come out of the booth or he'll hit me up with a call, and he'll he'll honestly be like, what would you think? you know what I mean? Like, so if I didn't like something, it's so, um, the vibe is so comfortable that I could tell him, I could be like, yo, I, you know how I tell anybody, I'll be like, yo, I didn't, I think you could do this, try it this way or do it differently, do it like this or, or whatever it is. Like I could, I could just talk to him. Like I used to talk to, you know, soul Khan when we were in our early brown bag days and we'd be in the studio together and nobody knew who we were on the planet yet. And we're sitting there trying to make music. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could talk to them, like how, like I've, how I have this rapport with everybody, that kind of stuff. And then with Shabam, you know, um, it's the same thing where he, he was uh, in a good way, man, and, he, and he'll say it himself. He said it, he said it publicly on the internet. He was nitpicky to himself with his vocals because he was like, I got to kill this. You know what I mean? He's like, this is my first album with one producer. Like, he's, like he said in your, your guys' interview, um, this is my first full record with one producer. Um, you know, I got to kill this. I got to really kill it. And he, he re-recorded vocals for, I think, almost every song multiple times like until he loved it and i loved it all from the jump and, I, and i'm nitpicky myself and i'm very not a yes man that's why they all mess with me because i'm not a yes man and they know it but or at least my reputation um is out there enough where I, you could just or you could just tell i'm not a fucking yes man my music would not be as good as it is collaboratively if um if i was i'd just be putting anything out with anybody and it would be half-assed it would be whatever but like nothing's subpar everything's great it's not good. It's great because I'm giving it my all. And I'm being honest and the other person or people are doing the same. So that's kind of what it is. It's really an easy situation. And again, you know, coming up with my group TNK with Haikyuu and, you know, Jesse Mechanic, all those guys from that era when I met you with the Crisis Center, you know, that era. Um, going Then going into Brown Bag where I was like kind of the big homie in that crew, probably for age reasons and just like leadership, knowing everybody personally first reasons. Um, I got to, all I know was being in groups. <laughs> so like, that's all I know, you know, more well, like we're talking 20 years of being in groups. So it's all I know. And I know, so I know how to talk to people and, and be honest and, and, a, and a nice way. You know what I mean? And that's it. And get my point across. <laughs> so they're easy as hell to work with, man. It's beautiful.
1: That's awesome. And so when you look at working with Shabam, what was that creative process like putting precious Stones together?
0: Um, you know, to be honest. It wasn't even supposed to be an album at first he didn't say that on your guys interview like it just didn't come up but it wasn't even like we didn't even we didn't sit down and go yo let's make an album he was like i think he might have actually said this part in your interview but like i don't mean to repeat like repeat it but i think he said uh originally it was a ninth wonder beat that he had for the joint with planet asia and they did it to a ninth wonder beat and ninth was like yo you're my guy but That beat I sold that beat to somebody or whatever, like, let me do another one, blah, blah, blah. And I think they went to go do another joint, and Shabam was like, we don't want to re-record the same song to another beat. Jay, can you just remix it? And that's kind of what it was. I was originally doing a remix for Shabam featuring Planet Asia or or vice versa. And uh, I can't lie, I bodied it because I had to. That's Shabam, Sadiq, and that's Planet Asia. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. I had to body it, so I did. I made like three beats on the spot, and really quickly. And then the one that stuck out is one that it became like, I mean, you know, I made little skeletons, boom, boom, like real quick. And then the third one was where like a really, like, I was like, Oh, I feel this. And I put hours, hours into that beat, even though it's minimal and it's whatever it's got that, but it's got that vibe, you know, and uh, that's what sparked the whole thing. So that that's how, you know, the process was, um, he let me take the reins as a producer. He let me create these soundscapes and mess with the vocals and actually vo- do a lot of vocal design and very original, unique vocal design that's never been done before, you know, for, like street hip hop, you know. I've written this on, you know, countless times on the internet, so I could timestamp it, so nobody could go and rip me off. You know, there's a lot because the street hip hop thing is back. You know, shouts to all the homies that are really killing it in that world, and you know, I've worked with all of them, and they're the homies, and I was friends with them before anybody cared about them, kind of shit. So, um, you know, that lane is now huge, and because that lane is huge, because of the homies, there's people who are not the homies that are actually getting big in that world too, and and I know they're watching me. I know they're watching what I'm fucking doing. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not stupid and uh if somebody's bigger and they see me coming over here with this original unique style that i did for the shabam album and for the heme stogie album as well with the vocal style you know like i I was very very inspired by lp with cannibal ox one of my favorite albums the cold name and lp's uh you know one of my biggest influences of all time as an mc slash producer you know what i mean and uh i was like but nobody's ever taken that vocal style and with my own twist very obvious different twist and and apply that to street hip hop. There's nobody that's ever done that. It's it's always been you're doing weird vocal stuff over kind of trippy beats or you're not. And I'm like, I'm, I am always wanted to do that since before I even really started making beats. I, I always wanted to hear that shit. And Shabam let me do it. And he was like, yo, I dig it. He'd actually – he would actually hit me up and be like, yo, these last two songs we just did, can you go back in there and, and do all the background vocal shit you do? Like th- my trademark shit for when I rap is – I'll do these crazy ad-libs where I'm screaming with high reverb on there. Like, that's something I originated. That's starting to actually become a little bit popular in the trap world, which is funny enough, a little bit different too. But um, I've been doing that shit for over 10 years. And Shabam's like, can you go in and do that yelling thing that you do? And uh, and then do some vocal effects. Like, he wanted me to do it. And I'm like, yo, that is, now he wants to be produced. You get what I'm saying? So that's that, that was the process. He let me produce him. He let me be a producer, not a guy who gave him some beats and said, go have fun. He he wanted that to be 50-50 Which was really, really flattering and really cool And you know I put in that time and that work To make sure I fucking made him proud, you know what I'm saying? So the, it was an incredible process
1: That's amazing, and yeah, like When you think about other songs too Like um, Passport and Order um, Or SS and J57 Like, you think about some of these songs Like, where you really are like Experimenting with, with multiple flows Even within your own, like, one verse And just the wordplay Like, how do you go about, you know being innovative with with your different styles that you can bring forth
0: yeah i appreciate that those those are actually two of those songs that he hit me up to to do the background vocals on by the way funny enough um i you know what it is i don't want to i don't i don't want to bore anybody with me as an mc so like me as an mc you know to some people i'm known as either just a producer or more of a producer or a producer that happens to rap and, and now it's i've actually luckily i've gotten it to the point where Majority of people now know it is it's always been a 50 50 thing my my production outshined the rapping um, as far as visibility because I was doing records for bigger people like Bronson and Joey badass and Wu-Tang and stuff like that which I'm incredibly grateful for you know what I'm saying and Homeboy Sandman so it's like that shit just got out there way bigger so i gotta bring that shit to the table like i gotta bring something crazy to the table if i'm getting on a track with a legend who is still razor sharp and better than ever like shabam so when he's hit- hitting me up being like yo i want this beat blah 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 and i want you because he is a fan of me as an mc which is just like the illest accomplishment i could die happy kind of shit on some real lyricist shit um i have to bring it man i have to bring it so that's what it is i'm changing up flows and cadences and everything you know I've i've always done that for sure like even the brown bag era while i was starting to learn a little bit how to do it and get like whatever and you know but um yeah like getting on a record with those with guys like that man you just gotta yeah and like jmo gang on the jmo album i rap on two joints and like you know purposely i wanted to just produce that i'm sure we'll get into that though but it's the same thing i'm like if i'm gonna be on this record i'm either gonna be slept on or they're gonna you know what i'm saying or like potentially or they're gonna um be like, why is he on this? He's just a producer. I don't want to hear him. I want to hear Raz or I want to hear Shabam. I want to hear da-da-da-da. Um, I got to fucking wow everybody. I got to try my hardest, not to steal the show, but I got to try my hardest to hang with the big boys. You know what I'm saying? And I definitely have been doing nothing but that. You know what I'm saying? Or I don't send it in. I put a lot of time and a lot of effort into all that shit. You know, so I appreciate you noticing that, man. I, I got to make sure every four bars I change up the flow or the voice. And a lot of the time, I don't even have to think that way. It just happens because I'm getting bored. Otherwise, if I'm doing the same flow for eight bars, I might change it up on bar nine or maybe maybe it'll be a whole 16. Like I love when guys like Conway could do a whole 16 where it's the same uh, flow and he's rhyming off the same rhyme scheme. Like for 16 bars, that's impressive. And that's not something new. Every, you know, people have been doing that since day one. But but this day and age, a lot of people don't do that anymore. So like I like to just change it up and just kind of keep it really uh, captivating. You know what I mean?
1: No doubt. And I think it was Tone Deaf who told me one time that, you know, once he does something and it's out there, he can never do that again. Like mm. that idea is like used. It's 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 out there. And so I mean I, I think that that's a dope explanation you have too, because it's like, you know, it's really easy, like once you've mastered a flow or mastered a style, I mean, there's guys who have built careers off of doing the same thing over and over and over again. Right. And then there's other guys who like if you look at like jay-z's evolution and how he's changed a lot of his his you know his style and his approach um, and how it's evolved i mean sometimes you do change and it's not always met with the same love it's like give me 96 reasonable <laughs> doubt like or right. 94 illmatic like there's not always when, when oh
0: good point dude you i'm only cutting you off to tell you how much of a good point that is i thought about that the other day when i heard the j electronica record which i think is awesome um i'm like yo the reason I could go so different on tracks and be so versatile and, and change up my everything from the cadence to the timbre to the uh, velocity of how I'm speaking, like the volume to the flows, like all that, style even, you know, even just the style, is because I'm not, I haven't hit that level yet. Like, like, J- like Jay-Z or Nas where they hit that level where it's like it's, what they did was so big and so good but so big and so timeless and classic that P- there's going to be so many people who want that forever. I haven't done that yet. You know what I mean? Like, when I do that one day, it, that might happen, but at the same time, I guess I've been so versatile from day one that, like, anybody who does mess with me, even if they're new and they don't know about any of this underground hip-hop shit, you know what I mean? Like, they might just be open to it because they don't know any better. They're just like, oh, this guy does a different song every fucking song about me. You know what I mean? So I think that is, I think that is why I kind of, I could get away with it. That's why I do it. Like, if I'm if I'm on a joint with Shabam, I gotta rap, but I also, like, I'm not gonna do my melodic shit, But um. But I also, like, I want to captivate the audience. You know what I'm saying? I'm on a joint with Shabam. I got to kill it. <laughs> but yeah, but to your point, man, Jay-Z, 96 Jay-Z, that's, I mean, I worked at Fat Beats for six years, man. Like, there wasn't a person who came in to the store that ever said they didn't like Reasonable Doubt the most from Jay-Z out of his entire incredible catalog. A lot of that, those records are incredible. And that's just how it is. And they still dig the other ones, but that. He, there, you know, he's held to a higher standard because he had that. He reached that that peak. You know what I'm saying? So that's what it is.
1: Right. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And you also talk about you know make paper like Dunder Mifflin. So, um, <laughs> at, on our last interview or two interviews ago with Tree Mason, um, he talked about Dunder Mifflin on car <laughs> Champions. And so, like anything that opens the door to talk office, I'm always all for that. So, like. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, you, you opened the door there, so I'm gonna walk through it. Um You know, what is your favorite um episode of The Office?
0: I was just talking about that last night with somebody. So um man, I gotta say it's when it's it's it's, it's kind of a tie, but nah, it's I think it might be the one where he out accidentally outs Oscar mm. and he didn't mean to. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's just that's that episode is so offensive, but not maliciously that's and i love that type of that type of intelligent you know humor where it's like it's michael he is not malicious he is not you know what i'm saying like there's a brown bag song song called the agenda where i say michael gary scott i think or i say michael scott and whatever it is and so like i've been a fan from for a million years so i know that that dude is not malicious he doesn't have a bad bone in his body that character but he accidentally outed somebody and uh and it wasn't you know it wasn't the end of the world but it was just like he didn't even realize it. So to me, like his just his, that brand of humor and how intelligent, and how like ridiculous it is. That episode is from top to bottom. Like, it's just too funny to me, man. Like it, that episode couldn't come out today and it, it is not insanely offensive. Like I have gay friends who love that episode, but like that to me, I, I need to know yours now, but that, that to, to me, that's probably my favorite one. To be honest.
1: I say the basketball one is, I, I love the basketball one in season one when they, the, the office plays the warehouse Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, just because, cool. because of just like, I mean, it's such a great lesson too. Like, um, and I was able to have a conversation with my kids about like the stereotypes and like you know how 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 Michael stereotypes everybody and like <laughs> Kev- Kevin had the nicest shot out of everybody. Right. <laughs> they were sleeping on Kevin, man. Right. <laughs> Kevin had the J, and then you got like. Jim and Roy battling it out over Pam's attention, and like <laughs> seeing that develop was was amazing and um, you got Ryan who's just like along for the ride and just like hates every minute of it, <laughs> <laughs> yo, my second favorite episode is the is Scott's tots, by the way just yo, had to that's throw that amazing, out yeah, love it that's amazing and and like as a teacher too, like I love that episode because. It's like you, the one thing you never do is you never over promise to kids because they will always remember. Yes. <laughs> yes. You are right. <laughs> like there was one time I think I promised to bring in like cookies or pumpkin bread for somebody's birthday and I didn't do it and they were so mad. So I had to bring in like two the next day. <laughs> <laughs> I believe all of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know, and even anything little, it's like, like, yeah, I'll read your essay tonight and leave you comments on it. It's like, you better go fucking do that or else, yeah, you know. Yeah.
0: Or it's your ass, bro. <laughs> exactly. You're going to be in your
1: class before the day starts being like, I didn't get any comments. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Got to love it, man. Got to love it. <laughs> right?
1: Well, that's the thing, too. Like, I mean, we're not going to have school for a long time at this point. So, you know, have you, like, how, how have you been treating everything with coronavirus? Have you stocked up? Are you planning on, like, staying in? Um, yeah. What's your What's your plan looking like?
0: Yeah, totally stocked up. Um, I'll be honest. I'm an introverted dude to begin with. Um, I know like anybody who knows me or the music or whatever, that's probably hard to believe, but, um, I have the the personality type where i I'm not introverted and weird. I'm just like, I don't really like to be around people a lot. So for me, I'm just in the studio for my whole day anyway. And, uh, I'm not, I don't like, like when I go outside, I don't want to see neighbors. I don't want to like talk to anybody. And it's not like, I, it's not like a, I'm better thing. Um, or even the opposite. It's, it's honestly like I have, well, the way my brain works i'm just always thinking about ideas for music and stuff Uh, like literally 24 7 it it takes a lot to to uh get my attention like this kind of conversation is holding my attention and i'm and i'm here and i'm if i'm watching a really good show or a really good movie i'm there you know what i'm saying Uh, otherwise i am i'm literally thinking about these ideas and jotting them down banking them in my phone coming up with ideas lyrics whatever it is 24 7 you know what i mean So I don't want to be talking to neighbors when I go outside to throw out the trash or whatever. Like I I'm like, wait, I had a good idea. Don't fuck it up. Don't make me forget it. Like that, that's me as a human. So this is beautiful to me being stuck inside. Like, this is great. I don't want to talk to anybody or see anybody anyway. And I keep my phone off all day, every day anyway. And I don't do texts or anything like that. So it's like, yo, this is my life. And and I'm a germaphobe. I'm already using more hand sanitizer than anybody, you know, times five, You, you ask anybody I've been on tour with, they, they're actually annoyed by how much I use, whenever I'm shaking hands at a show and I'm so grateful to meet everybody, but I'm like, yo, you never know, man. Somebody could have like sneezed in their hand and gave you a pound an hour later. And now you got, now you're sick on tour for another month. Like, nah, (laughs) you get what I'm saying? So yeah, this whole shit is like, I've been preparing for this my whole life. (laughs) What
1: about you, man? Everything good by you guys? Everything's good, but it's like, you know, we're just staying in, you know, got, got, got some, some extra pasta and just, just, you know, stay in where you don't have to go out for anything. And, um, just get the kids outside, get them some fresh air, keep them off the video games, like at least all day. You know, at least try yeah. trying not to log ten hours of video games a day, and that's 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 a success. And <laughs> yeah, you know, slowly work the way through like the the book stack and the Netflix queue. Yep, I respect it. <laughs> but what I'm what 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 is great about you know just being home is like I've had all these projects and different ideas of what I wanted to do, and like now you know able to go, you know work on it and that part is great it's just like it sucks that it comes at you know at such a huge expense Mm. for everybody um right you know and, and what what some of the most vulnerable people are are having to face right now
0: yeah dude it freaks me out to be honest like that that part of it freaks me out like the elderly the people with you know whatever man you know like immune deficiencies or whatever like infants like that whole shit is just crazy i was at cvs the other day you know i did all my big shopping multiple times but there's a couple of things i was like let me just get more of this a little bit more i'm not talking about how all the toilet paper in the store like everybody else was doing i'm talking about i just want some more lysol wipes i just want some more um whatever you know what i'm saying popcorn i don't know whatever like some shit like that and i remember just seeing like an elderly couple at the front register and like the second she got her money or whatever it was from the from the you know the cashier the husband gave her a hand wipe you know what i'm saying immediately and i just saw like how like real that is like i was like wow that's funny like as soon as i get in the car i'm using hand sanitizer i would have done that anyway because that's how my brain is (laughs) i would have done that anyway even if this whole shit wasn't happening that's just how i am but when i saw them do that i was like wow that like actually hit me how real that is you know what i mean because i know even if i got that shit which i'm not but even if i got that shit i'd be fine 37 years old you know what i mean like i'm i'm in great shape great health whatever i'm good but uh yeah somebody who's elderly man that shit scares me You know what I mean? Because it's a new thing. We don't know much about it. But I have a gut feeling. um, I don't know, man. I think we'll get through it. You know what I'm saying?
1: For sure. And how do you feel like it's going to affect artists? Because on one hand, you know, a lot of artists that, you know, their work might like if they have a day day job, they might not be able to go to work. So they have more time to work on their craft. But also a lot of the artists that rely on getting out on the road and doing shows and um sometimes like you look at artists especially the artists from like that 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 we love you know they might only go on tour for like a month out of the year or like if they get some dates somewhere it's it's a good thing that they can you know string six Mm -hmm. or seven shows together um and that can go a long way so like how do you see the 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 quarantining the social distancing affecting other artists and just you know hip-hop artists in general
0: that yo that shit's sad bro like I have a handful of homies that are on tour right now that are like posting their flyer that says canceled across it. Like that sucks. And like, these are friends. These aren't like an internet artist who is a peer. And we kind of know each other because we follow each other on Twitter. Like it's, we're talking about like my actual friends that I do music with, or we're just friends with. And, uh, that shit's sad. like it actually really made me sad the other night seeing so many of them have to do that. Um, which was the right decision and very, very cool that the venues and them knew that this isn't what we have to do. But to your point, man, like, this is a lot of people's entire livelihood. Like, for me, I'm an MC producer. My entire livelihood is not based on my touring money. You know what I mean? The producer side, you know, like, you never, as a producer, no matter who you are, I'm not even saying this is my situation, but as a producer, you make sample-free music that gets picked up by a movie, you could be talking, like, six figures. And that shit, that's more money than a lot of these guys will make on tour in fucking five years, you know what I mean? So it's like, for me, I don't have to go out and do all that shit, and I'm just like, I feel like I'm, but I'm also them, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that is income for me. I take it very seriously. I only do go out like once a year and it's only if, it, if it's like extremely lucrative, I'll go. Otherwise, like I said, I don't have to, but like, man, that could have been JMO gang, dude. Think about it. Like our album's coming out in April and our touring situation is us three together. You know, Shabam and I have our album out as of, you know, March, but our, but our setup for touring is not him and I together on the road. It's him. It was, you know, it, it was built for that, you know, and the vehicle for JMO Gang was built for us three to go together. So it's like, yo, what if our shit came out in February and then our big-ass tour in Europe, which is totally, like, happening? Um, what if it was based on – and we're not going to release info on that yet, but what if that shit was, like, for uh, – it came out in February? Let's say it was, it was for March and April and May. Like, I would probably be dropping a couple of the thug tears right now, to be honest with you, man. And aside aside from the money part, it's, like, also – that's like a dream, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a dream of yours to go to these places and perform your music and meet the people who give a shit about your music and, and it heals them. You know, that's why we're doing it. So it's like, yeah, that whole shit is fucked up. But like, I just pray, man. I'm not really just dude, but I pray that, that, that it doesn't affect anybody anytime, like any time, like much longer. I really hope by April, let's knock on wood about that. By April, it's, not a, it's, it's, it's controlled and people are more like me with the germaphobia. Where they're just using a lot of hand sanitizer and they're not slap, you know, giving pounds and you know high fives or whatever to everybody on the planet. Like I'll do it because I'm I don't want to be socially awkward. But like I said, I turn and I'm using that hand sanitizer right away. Al Gant and Raz could tell you, man. I'm I'm like that. You know what I'm saying? I've been that way, and uh, it's it's out of fear of getting sick. So it's like, yo, if everybody felt that way, you know, I think we could actually get. I think it could go back. I think it go go back to April, May, June. I think people could hit the road again and uh and they could get their money and and they could meet their fans and they could live at you know live their purpose because that that is what this is for us so it's like you know what i'm saying i think it, i hope it could go to that i really do it where everybody's careful and they're using a lot of you know washing their hands hand sanitizer not being reckless with their shit if they feel sick they don't go to the show that kind of thing you know
1: no doubt and you know so when you've got the hand sanitizer do you keep the little personal one in your pocket or do you got like the pump in your <laughs> backpack like and you break oh. out like, or, like the full costco size i mean what, what oh, do that's you because <laughs> i mean oh. you got to be careful out there coronavirus or not you're right man i mean hey you're speaking to the right guy um you know like
0: in the car i had the the one that you pump for sure right in the middle thing like where you put like cup holders or whatever i've always had that and uh on, on the road, like in my, my Fat Beats bag that's sitting right here. I've had this bag since the Fat Beats days. Like when I go to the studio, whether it's in New York or L.A. or Atlanta or fucking London, I bring that bag with me. And right in the front pouch, you better believe there's at least two personal ones in there inside Ziploc bags. Because I don't want that shit, you know, getting open someday and like getting all over my hard drives and fucking my life up. But uh, you better believe I always have at least two on deck <laughs> anywhere that's I go. Awesome. Anywhere I go. When we hit, like, we're on, on you know, on tour – and we got to go, you know, it's time to go fuel up the vehicle and everybody's going into the, the gas stations and they're buying, you know, whether it's food or water or gum or fucking headache medicine, whatever we're going in to go get on the, on these, you know, on the road. Yeah. I'm making sure that I have that hand sanitizer shit. And whenever guys get back in the, you know, the vehicle, I'm always like, yo, you guys need hand sanitizer? You guys need a vitamin? Like, I'm honestly like, I'm like that, yo, cause I don't want people getting sick, you know? So I, yeah, I keep, I keep it on deck. <laughs>
1: Well, like one person gets sick on the on the tour, and everybody's sick. You know, yep. Just with with the traveling and the close quarters. I mean, you can't help it.
0: Exactly, and I'm not trying to be that guy. I'm not trying to be the guy, and I'm not trying to get sick from the guy. Like, like I'm bringing airborne with me, man. You know what I'm saying? Vi Again, I bring a bag of vitamins. I'm like, yo, who needs a vitamin? I'm handing those shits out like Flintstone vitamins to little kids. <laughs> no, it's like, amazing. No, seriously, I am like that guy, and I always have been. um, it's, it's definitely a quirk and it's weird, but now it makes sense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like now I'm not going to be looked at weird, you know? And I, and I, I just got – dude, I had – I think it was the flu like a couple weeks ago. I haven't been sick for two years. Just That's saying. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean I went vegetarian and stuff during that time. So I think that, has, I think that plays a big role in it too. Uh, I'm not going to preach on that because everybody's different. But for me, I was, I was sick a handful of times every year my whole life. And not when I start going full vegetarian for over a year, like, and then I'm not for two years like that. That's bugged out. So for me, I'm I'm O.D. about it. I'm super over the top with the hand sanitizer and all that, all that shit. So I'm not trying to get sick, bro. I got to record vocals. I got to be healthy. I don't want to feel like shit.
1: For sure. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen mall rats um, back in the day. But the stink hand in Mallrats is why, once I saw that, I never <laughs> wanted to shake hands with anybody again. And every time I do, I think about that and, like, where has their hand been?
0: Oh my God, yo, I kind of rem- I haven't seen it since, like, high school or something. I got to rewatch it, but I think I know what you're talking about.
1: Where he I think his, I know the scene. He sticks his hand down his pants and, yep, yep, and then shakes his, <laughs> yep. <laughs> Like, A, I try to live my life where nobody would want to do that to me, but you never know if they did it to somebody else and then they just had to shake your hand before they could clean it off either. You just never know. Or they might be a weirdo just doing that, bro. Exactly. That's the shit that I think about. (laughs) Exactly. Like, I just like, I just like doing it to people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's terrifying what's out there. Oh my God. Yeah. It's super terrifying, but it's all good. (laughs) It's all good. We'll get through it. Exactly.